occasionally I think, oh, this is all going to end. That would be inconvenient because I have a lot of stuff I'd like to do, plus I have a feeling for it, and I'd feel very sad, kind of. uh, There's a nostalgia I'd be feeling for everything I'd have to leave behind. What a drag. Okay, I I got stuff to do, so I can't dwell. Rob Nilsson is a poet, artist, and trumpet player, but mostly he's a filmmaker. I spoke with him in his Berkeley, California studio about art, life, aging, and what keeps him going at the age of 84. I hope you enjoyed this fascinating conversation as much as I did. What was your perception, if you even had one, when you were younger? of what it would be like to be older? Did you have a sense of what old age was or what it meant, or did you ever reflect on it? I don't think I had the, the slightest concept, nor can I think of the any kind of mania about wanting to know or any particular understanding of older people other than the fact that my grandfather, when I was very young, and it's, it's never happened since either. But he would sit me down and he'd say, what are you thinking about? You know, what, how did I know what I was thinking about? I never thought about that I was going to think about anything. But it stuck with me. This idea, this older man, nobody else in the family particularly wanted to know anything that I can recall. My, my mother was very solicitous, very kind, and my parents were very much behind what I was doing. But no one ever asked me, what What are you thinking? And so I once tried it with my a granddaughter. She, she Maybe she's now 11. Maybe this was when she was 9. And the same thing. She said, what do you mean? <laughs> so having thought about old age, no. And, and now, too, occasionally I think, oh, this is all going to end. That, 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 that would be inconvenient because I have a lot of stuff I'd like to do, plus I have a feeling for it, and I'd feel very sad, kind of. There's a nostalgia I'd be feeling for everything I'd have to leave behind. What a drag. That wouldn't be any good. But, very, I, but okay, I got, I got stuff to do, so I can't dwell. Our family moved from Wisconsin to Mill Valley when I was 14, and I had a friend... Um, uh, names have no meaning for me anymore because I can't remember them. But I had a friend. <clears throat> he was a year younger than me. I go over to his house, and his mother w- was an artist and kind of a a presence. You know, she, as most artists are, she was curious. And when you when you're doesn't matter if you're a kid or whatever, just like my grandfather's, he wanted to know about you and stuff. And I started to, to do some painting. I had early on, I had been copying little birds from the Tori Peterson hmm. bird guide. Why? I have no idea. Robins and stuff with crayon. And, and I maybe started to write a few little poems. Maybe. Because I started off, as you perhaps know, as uh, I thought I was going to be a poet, and that was it. And I've, I have one poetry book that I self-published with the author house. But here's what came to mind. Something in brought it in, and she said, you know what? You, you won't stick with it. That's all she said. 
And I said, I won't, to myself. And I don't think about this more than once every 20 years, but you brought it up. She said, you're not going to stick with it. So that's why I did. That's why. <laughs> the hell I won't. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm right. Yeah, no, it was a curious thing. It never occurred to me, although I did try to do various things, and like, like you do when you're young. You try this, you try that. And so I can't say that I was any wonder of, of, of steadfastness. But as a matter of fact, I didn't start being a filmmaker until I made my first feature when I was 40. But up until that time, Probably Cine Manifest was the was the starting starting point of of full time consideration because I I'd been painting and I as you can see I'm still painting and I had I had a couple of shows uh, a couple couple two three years ago in the area yeah, so I'm still doing that and I, and I just the other day I brought uh, I I get a Mediterranean dish over here and so I set it down on the table outside the door and a poem came to me and I'm I'm thinking, I, I, John's going to be showing up, and I'm supposed to be eating my breakfast. And and I said, yeah, but I... So I run, rush inside, and I get a piece of paper, and I write down a couple lines. I go back, and the damn thing continues. And I'm, say, and I'm saying, okay, will I remember it? No, you won't remember it. You have to write it down. And so I went back and forth about five or six times just a couple days ago, because I haven't been writing poetry much recently. So, so there's there's that flow. It's that artesian thing, that I guess it probably was always was always there, but intermittent at the beginning, like a cascade, and then it started to to op- broad, open out, and and now it's the whole it's the whole deal. I just had a new film I should never be thinking about right now because John and I are working together on this film about me. What am I doing thinking about Willem Dafoe again? And a, and a movie that would be perfect for Willem Dafoe, <laughs> and I'm writing the damn thing, and I can't stop myself. And 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 but the difference is, if I can't make this one, that's going to be okay. Um, because I've done fifty now, fifty films, and so wow. w- one other one wouldn't make make that much difference. Except this one would really be good. Oh, I can just see it. <laughs> Did you happen to see Round Midnight, the film Round Midnight? Yeah, um, I did. I think it was Tavernier that was directed. Yes, that. I think yeah. it was Tavernier. Yes, but um, it was based on was it was based on a on a sax player. Right? Yeah. Who, 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 and this this guy and that the guy who was the actor is actually a sax a jazz sax player. Just wasn't that one. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm spacing his name, but but I thought he did a great job. Yeah. Yeah. I mean that that film had me in tears. I, I have a view. I have a, I see a dark street somewhere in Paris or wherever. That that represents that film, yeah. and so yes, I, I remember I remember it uh, being not not the greatest, but good. Yeah, no, it's um, it's it's an interesting subject, the the whole notion of creativity, art, and aging. I think because you know what one of the one of the challenges is for. I think a lot of people is, you know, what is my story to tell? What is it? What is someone trying to do here? <clears throat> I don't know if that was ever a challenge for you or if it's just been out an outpouring for you or what, you know, or how that has that changed at all as you've gotten older, you find it easier, harder, or is it just 
a continuous. How does that? Pretty go? much, pretty continuous, pretty pretty continuous, and and it it makes me feel that that's what the job is, is that that flow, is as it comes, you you pay attention to it. I suppose you could worry that if you didn't, you could lose it, but I've, that doesn't occur to me. It's just that that no matter what the culture is or no matter all the, all the given conditions of life at a given moment, I think that that's what, that's what an artist has to offer. And if an artist is trying to offer what somebody else wants to have them offer, that, that becomes iffy. I've done that a couple times, and not, you know, I did something for TV. I did a couple things for TV and stuff, and and uh, it did me no good. I I it it didn't come out of the out of the grotto, so to speak. Yeah. <laughs> it came out of the ghetto, the, the 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 Hollywood ghetto. But no, it's it's been a it's been a flow of poetry, painting, and cinema that came from the came from somewhere. Maybe somebody knows what it is, but I don't know what it is. The sacred fount is what is what uh, Henry James called it. It's interesting. A couple of thoughts on that. One is, you know, Chuck Close. Uh, yeah. Andrew, yeah. Mm-hmm. One of my favorite quotes is from him in which he says, uh, inspiration is for amateurs. <laughs> inspiration. <laughs> <laughs> you know, he, he's that's, saying, a, that's a good one. He's saying, you know, you can't sit around waiting for inspiration before you start. Because then you'll never start. No. You know, no, no. Nor should you be sitting waiting for a project. No. Because then you'll be, you'll, well, not that you couldn't do a project. I did it. I did, I, I, did, I did this thing, Ron Perlman and Stephen Lang and blah, blah, blah. And, and you know, uh, I made some money. I was able to get to the next town, so to speak. Hmm. But that's not, that's not the, the gig, is it? Willem de Kooning started off. He was well trained in Holland, and then he, he was he was a stowaway on a boat. He came into Jersey, and he worked for about a year in a uh, doing doing uh, commercial art, which he was very good at. And then he he went into the he went down into the ghetto. Well, you know that's not me, and started to to paint and never looked back. And in, in ninety years old, he was still following that thread. Uh, whatever it was, the Dukuni, which which led to films like Woman One, which at one point is probably the most famous painting in the world for all all that one could figure out. Well, why would that be so famous? <laughs> I, you know, I, I, I always loved the painting, and I I, I loved Dukuni and stuff. But he just he just went on, and he he he, he hit it right as far as being able to make it work financially. But there's a guy that followed the thread. It's interesting. There's a book called Big Magic. It's written by, I'm spacing her name, Elizabeth. She also wrote Eat, Pray, Love and a few other books as well. But Big Magic is about creativity. Oh, yeah? And she tells the story of a woman who was a poet. And, um, you know, she's. T- it's funny because I, I just said inspirations for amateurs. But, um, but, but in the instance of this poet, she would be out just walking or, you know, out in the yard or doing something else. And all of a sudden she'd feel this poem almost blowing through and she knew that she had to get to a pencil right then and write it down because it would be gone. Right. You know, she just happened to be in the way of it. She was, she was just the, like the, the receiver. Yeah. You know, and, yeah. And, it, and she had to get it down or it would be gone. Yeah. And your comment about your experience when yeah, you Yeah, it's uh, the same yeah. thing. Yeah. 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 In, in the olden days, I could remember them longer, but now I can't. It's going to be gone right away. 
Well, I tell my students this all the time, which is don't assume you're going to remember ideas because you will not. You remember that you had an idea and you remember <laughs> that it was a good one, yeah, but right. you will not remember what it actually was. <laughs> that's right. No, that's right. That's right. No, no, the yeah. universe is perverse that way. It, it's, it's like it, it likes to mess around with us. It's like, I, I gave it to you. You should have you used right. it when you had it. Yeah, that's why I have a, I hold, I have a pen and a little... Uh, what are these these little note note things you peel off? What's oh, it called? Yeah, post-its. Post-its, right, right by my bed. And rarely, but there are times when, oops, there it is, and I've got to turn on a light and yeah. write me a note. Yeah. No, I do that as well. Do you? I, yeah. I always have notebooks. And, but I've also discovered, though, is that you can make Siri on your phone take notes for you. Siri can take notes? Yeah. It's like if you're driving or whatever, you can just say the magic words. Hey Siri, and then she'll say, "Yeah, what?" And how do you re- retrieve it? She puts it in a note. Just t- just say, "Take a note." It'll be a, a note in your in your computer. Yeah, in, in your phone, in your notes. Uh, in the notes, actually, thing. probably in your computer too. Yeah. Well, I mean, I meant in the, in the cell phone. Yeah. yeah, but just as you're driving, you know, it's just, "Hey Siri, take a oh note." Oh my god! You know? And a lot really? of times she garbles it, but usually there's enough there to be able to retrieve it. <laughs> Speaking about old age habits, uh, from from the time that I s- stopped playing cornet in my in the band over there in Mill Valley, when I was what f- fifteen, sixteen, I I pick up the horn occasionally, but now that I've got this this jazz idea, I saw an ad for a Bach silver trumpet. Mm. Now, I looked up the box later, and I realized they come from like five fifty five hundred down to something a lot less and, and there there there's a lot of different difference in the quality and i didn't know what this one was but i found out it was an intermediate bach trumpet and i i went and looked at it and i played it and i put it down and i said oh i've got to think about this and i went away and i actually spent a, about a week thinking about it and i said well i got to go back and play it again and i bought the damn thing from the day that i got the horn I've gone out to the to the bay in my car because I I'm not going to do it in here, <laughs> you know. And I play in my car every day. That's been the five months and picking it up again because I, I thought if I've got a movie about music, I got to be doing music. And so I'm I'm playing it every single day, half an hour, and uh, I made some progress. I mean, you know, I'm not I'm not quite. Uh, I'm not. I'm not dizzy yet, but <laughs> but, but, I'm, but I'm kind of. But I'm kind of dis, discombobulated. No, I'm. I'm. There's there's life there. I never had a strong embouchure, but but even that, I'm building a little a little bit. So talk about what the uh, fascinations of old age feels great. But but that's. I mean, to me, that's just another demonstration that you know just because you happen to have X number of years doesn't mean that you stop being curious or stop wanting to experiment yeah. or yeah. try things or learn or continue to develop and grow and do all those things. I mean, yeah. those are all hallmarks of being human and being alive yeah. and, you know, and just swimming in all that and enjoying it as much as you possibly can, yeah. which is great, you know. And, and I think, you know, one of the misfortunes is that people feel like they're not allowed to do those things once they reach a certain age. So they're not allowed. How does, how does that work in your experience? What, what happens to people that they feel that they're not allowed? I think people feel like it's unbecoming. 
you know, somehow that there are certain things that are expected of them as older people. You know, they're supposed to be wise and and <laughs> good luck with that. And, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and and you know, respectable and, and and all those kinds of things. But yeah. for many of us, I feel like you know, I I still love goofing around and making terrible jokes and yeah, and, you know, dancing like an idiot and <laughs> you know, doing all the things I ever did. And and yeah. I don't see any particular reason to stop. Yeah, me either. No, I, I was talking to somebody the other day. We were talking about uh, the difference between how you see things when you're in your twenties, and then you know how you see them again fifty years later. And the thing is, when you're in your twenties, we don't have any perspective yet. You know, it's like I, I laugh because my students put on airs from time to time about their sophistication and knowledge, and all I have to do is say, "So, if I think back twenty-five years, I was still an adult." You know, I was 35 years old. Yeah. If you think back 25 years, you can't because you weren't born yet. <laughs> so, yeah. you know, yeah. that doesn't make me smarter than you necessarily or writer than you, but it gives me perspective that you don't have. And that's invaluable. But there's no way to have that perspective without living Pretty life. Pretty much, yeah. Why, why, is, why are all my cinema heroes European and Asian? Um, the thinking of the various countries they come from. There's not, not a one that I can think of that didn't have brimstone rain down upon it and with wars that were on, on their ter- territory and killing their friends and their families. That never happened over here. We don't have a, a, a deeply tragic no- notion of how bad it can get, generally anyway, in the middle classes. I, I mean, I think there's plenty of people that don't have that don't have anything that can have had a, a lot of experiences, but if they don't, if they don't read and they don't have the artistic inclination, you don't, or they're not going to be making the movies, they're not going to be writing the books. But I think the the difficulty they've had over the the, the perpetual wars in Europe and the things that I'm I'm not a world historian, but I'm just thinking that 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 makes for a deeper and more full kind of artist artistry than ours when i think about the what what country could be more filled with with tragic events than russia and yet look at look at their artists when i went to the soviet union right at the end during during uh, the perestroika period i got to meet elam klimov and alexei german mm-hmm. and i thought oh not that I hadn't seen Fellini and stuff like that before then, but I, but I met real artists that 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 were that had ground zero sensibilities about how deep the the deep is and how high the high is and what's in the middle and and not um, entertainment where you 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 got you, I'm leaning back now. Well, entertainment is leaning back, but when you when you're with Tolstoy and Dostoevsky and stuff, you're leaning forward, or, as well as with um, a film like Come and See or My Friend Ivan Lapshin or Trial on the Road. These things are... So I, I don't want to wish tragedy on anyone, but but if, it's going to, if there's going to be tragic circumstances, then the artists have to speak up and come out and hopefully help us, help us to, to deal with it, to live with it, to... Or, you know, I laughingly say, get rid of it. I don't know. 
and the 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 contradictions in the animal are so great. Hmm. What do you think? Do you think do you think we can be changed? Do you think we can change ourselves, or is change of the sort that you could imagine of an ideal culture and ideal human beings? Is is that are we working towards it, or is it just a, a kind of a wash? Every time we think we can do it, we have another world war. What's your thought? I think it's an illusion to think we're working towards anything in particular. Mm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, it feels like it sometimes, this whole notion of progress and all that. But I'm not sure that what is defined as progress is necessarily really progress anyway. Um, I often reflect on how the world has changed just in the course of my own life. Uh, and if I add my father's and my grandmother's life into that mix, because she was born in 1899, you know, just think about how the world has changed from the day she was born till now, you know, 124 years later. When I was a kid, for example, if you wanted to see if somebody could play, you'd go over to their house and knock on their door. Can Johnny come out and play? Yes or no, whatever it was, and then you'd go off and play. Does anyone actually do that anymore? It, it, people would come over to visit my parents. Just They would just show up, you know? And right. if my parents were there, they'd invite them in, they'd have coffee, and they'd yak for a while, and then they'd go off and do something else. No one does that anymore, you know? So this tool that was supposed to bring us all together seems to have done exactly the opposite. You know, people don't feel comfortable just going next door and knocking on their neighbor's door and saying hi. And yeah, and we've got TV too, which is which is more exciting than than the the Joneses yeah. next door. And and there's this other thing, you know, we used to have this thing we called boredom, and uh, you know, boredom gets a bad rap because I think a lot of people feel like it's it's a time when you're not being productive or whatever else. And but another one of my favorite quotes is from Aaron Sorkin, who says, you know, you call it procrastinating, I call it thinking. <laughs> and, <laughs> uh-huh. yeah. and boredom, I think, is one of the mothers of invention. It's it's not the only one. There are others, but certainly it is mm-hmm. one of them. And I think, you know, I, I used to tell my son, because I, I had this conversation the other day. It's like, we have this habit now of entertaining ourselves constantly. If there's a moment of downtime, out comes the phone. And you're checking something, you're watching a video, or you're checking your email or doing something else. There's never any downtime anymore. And that's not healthy, I don't think. Hmm. You know, the mind needs time to sort and, and, uh, and, and figure stuff out. And, hmm. you know, a lot of times, boredom leads you to think down pathways that you might not have done otherwise, hmm. and experiment in your mind within areas or, you know, discover curious things or, you know, indulge in some awe and wonder and all those kinds of things. If you're always looking at your phone, which is like peering through a mail slot, um, then, you know, you're limiting your experience of the world dramatically and you're not allowing your own life to speak up. Mm -hmm. You know, you're just sucking in all this stuff from other lives. And, uh, you know, and, and I, it, it bothers me a lot because I feel like a lot of potential for important thinking, creativity, insights, all that kind of stuff is being lost in this desperate effort to entertain ourselves. What, what keeps you going? What, what, is it, you know, you're 83, you could reasonably yeah. say, well, I've made 50 films, I, I'm done. And, but no, you don't, you're not done. One of the things uh, that I feel 
that makes me want to push on is that a hell of a lot of people have gone out of their way to, to be in my films and to work with me. And we really haven't gotten the 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 output out there in the world that we that I, I think that the work uh, deserves. And if I do say so, for myself personally too, I feel that, that that it's important stuff to have done, and it's stuff that people should see. So I feel that I want to push towards that. And I've never been a salesperson. I never wanted to, to to do the first thing about distribution or anything like that because I felt well. They got a system for that, right? Wrong. There is there's no system for anything. I mean, you you know, it's who you know and how hard. Not entirely. I mean, some some people like I would guess Basquiat was discovered on a street corner, and who knows what what it was that made made those paintings uh, mean mean something. But I I, I feel that that's that's a, a duty that I feel to myself and to everybody. Uh, and you you've been. You, you've you've been working with me, and we've worked in workshops and stuff like that. I want to have something that so people could see all of the work. All here's the platform. It's this company or that company. You can see it. All you got to do is push a button, and and so I want to I want to work on that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And if you as you reflect on your work, um, are there are there themes that you feel are consistent or does it just depend on where you are at that particular point in your life or is there there are th- there are themes actually um i've been talking to this one company um and i and since i have a lot of them i took the time to write out what the themes were and i can't remember them now but <laughs> But uh, but but there are there are themes of of, of both kind of <clears throat> I guess what you could laughingly say idea themes philosophical themes whatever there are there are themes of for example I've made two or three films on sports um, running and and pool and I think there's maybe there's only two or maybe there's another one in there somewhere and then then the the theme of being in a a marginalized place. Uh, for 15 years in the tenderloin of working with people that came in from the street and people that came in from anywhere, from everywhere. There's a, there's a theme in there. It's a curiosity about the, the 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 place itself and the people that come out of it and w- what the human results are. I'm not trying to save save the world, and, and yet I believe in struggle. I believe that people should should struggle in in whatever way, whether it's political. I mean, we, there's a friend of mine came up with these three categories, the erotics, the aesthetics, and the politics. And I'll take them in that order of importance. And, and also in, in, the, in the, the possibility of doing anything about it. Erotics and aesthetics, you can do. Politics, mm, you know, Northern Lights is about a, a group of farmers that formed the Nonpartisan League and took over the state of North Dakota 1916 fought the banks the railroads and the and the and the grain trade for control of the of their their mean their means of production to, in order to to survive and I'm all for that and I did that and and I'm glad I did it and and yet the 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 other more personal struggles that are not political but could be erotic could be could be uh, anything having to do with some hum, human 
dilemma that, that, that you want to that you want to look into. It's all the same. The, the one thing that that has not interested me, oddly enough, is the the people with money, the people with means. I mean, if I really thought, "Wow, look how interesting," I don't. I don't see what's interesting about it. I, I see that I see that the everyday struggles with the the, the us and me's of the world. That's interesting, because how are you going to avoid it for 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 one thing if you want to be alive, and then and then but. But yes, I'm, I'm curious about it. I, I, I think that there are some people say there's only like if you like if you are doing a screenplay and you're, you're working in Hollywood, there are five uh, uh, acceptable or, or usually employed end, end results. There's either this or that. Or that. I have no idea. It doesn't seem that way to me. When I when I think about it, uh, some kind of a thing that interests me. I, th- I think of there's, there's hundreds of choices that you make every day. Well, maybe not every day, but if if you're if you're you're going to make a lot of choices and and how they all work out and it's kind of that what what are those what are those cubes that were, where where Rubik's you, cube? Yeah, yeah. It seems like it's more like that, and so that's fascinating. I'm curious also as you look back. Whenever I reflect on my life, I, I think about the things that really mattered to me at one time. You know, when I was working in advertising, I really wanted to make commercials and I really wanted to get awards and I wanted to do all those things. Mm-hmm. Um, and recently, I threw away about five boxes of old tapes. <laughs> I thought you were going to say trophies. I, and then I threw and, and away tro- boxes of trophies you and, did, uh, and yeah. certificates and all that kind of crap. Yeah. It's like, nobody wants to see that. Who am I going to show it to? <laughs> uh, this was an award I won for an ad I did in 1987. <laughs> yeah. Who cares? No one cares. And it's funny. Pretty much, I, yeah. When I, when I think back on those, on um, you know, that whole time, what I miss the most are people. Hmm. You know, I don't, mm-hmm. I, it's like ads are ads. They're stupid and, yeah. and you know, they're, it's ephemeral. You know, it, it's, I, I gave a speech um, a couple of years ago for the Few Percent Conference, which is uh, a friend of mine named Kat Gordon started it. It's a, it's for women Primarily, which she realized that in advertising, only 3% of, wi- of people who were in senior positions of, of creative management, like creative directors and that kind of thing, were women. Most of them were men. So her goal was to try and equalize that more. Mm-hmm. And to her credit, not entirely. I mean, she didn't do it single-handedly, but, uh, you know, fast forward 10 years since she started that, and it's closer now to 30%. So, oh, you know, that's, that's a good increase. That, that is, yeah. Uh, Anyway, they wanted uh, she wanted someone to speak about uh, aging and advertising. So I, I, I picked up the gauntlet and went ahead and did that. And uh, one of the things I did was show a commercial from 1985 I did for Max Headroom. It was funny because at the time that we did it, it was really Scott directed it, and uh, you know Max was really cutting edge and all that kind of stuff. If you look at it now, it's like it was done by Neanderthals. You know, it's like you know, it's in standard definition, and you know, it's got you know, there's all kinds of things that just date it instantly the moment you see mm-hmm. it. And I and I said to them, you know, I said, I'm I'm using my old guy superpower, which is I don't give a fuck what you think about this, <laughs> and using it as you know to to its fullest extent because it's really hard to show this to people. And, uh, it was funny because afterwards, a lot of people came up to me and said, "Oh, thank you for showing that because." You know, I worry about that that sort of thing. It's like, yeah, you know, advertising gets old really fast. Yeah, and at the same time, 
Uh, when I look back on the the films and sta- uh, standard definition that I started, you know, n- even Northern Lights, you know, the, you, you you can see a little grain in there. I mean, we, we shot that in sixteen, but I guess because the work that that I was doing was kind of like like writing a poem or something. It's about okay, the urgency, a personal vision of something um, is going is going to look like when you had that personal vision and that therefore it has an integrity i don't like it in hollywood because i don't like the the content i don't like i don't I, i'm not interested in the great directors generally speaking in in the film business but i am interested in the in early early bergman or shadows uh, which was cassavetti's first halting attempt which i i have not been able to get over i just think it was it was so fresh that suddenly you're seeing people like oh that, that that that's like that's like me or that's like like all that's that's going around that's the thing so i don't really care how it looks in that regard mm-hmm. i want it if, if it has that that core of of surprise that people really do look like that all you had was a bunch of brownie photographs and, and hollywood movies and suddenly you have a, you have a guy that's that's churning Turning up the, the turf right where you are, and you're saying, "Yeah, I never thought of that." So there is that, and I think that there is. So as far as the old, the old, uh, you know, non non digital world, I, I love it all still. Yeah, and, and I think that's that's legit. I, um, I, I think the problem with advertising is it's all about surface anyway. Yeah, you yeah, know, right. it's not about depth. So yeah, if yeah. the surface fades, yeah, no, I get funky. your point. Yeah, yeah, you used a good word there. I really appreciated, which was surprise. And I think that's one of the things that I've missed the most about contemporary everything, really, music, film, all the rest of it. That surprise is gone for me, especially when for things that come out of Hollywood and pop music and all that kind of stuff. You know, I I really don't. For example, Marvel films, I cannot. Bear no, to see them. No, me either. Yeah. Because there, there's yeah. nothing there that you don't expect to see. You know what's coming. You know, I used to torment my son because you know a lot of the films that he was interested in when he was younger were based on the so-called hero's journey, as so many films in Hollywood are since mm-hmm. yeah. Star Wars. Yeah. Um, and I would torment him because you know I would say, okay, this is what's going to happen next because I know the hero's journey backwards and forwards. And, and uh, you know, once you see that the film is going to be a hero's journey film, you know what's going to happen. Yeah. And he says, you've seen this. I said, no, I haven't. And I taught him the hero's journey and what it was. And now he sees it and gets annoyed by it and all that. But, yeah. but everything is so formulaic. The three-act structure, you know. And, Amen. Uh, you yeah. know, and it down to what happens on given pages and that. It's like, yeah. If if you look at films from before that took over, like uh, a lot of some of the wonder, there were wonderful films in the seventies, I f- I think you know even American ones too. Yes, and, uh, in, in the seventies there was a yeah, the, yeah there were some good films back there. There were there were <laughs> there were and, yeah. and and you know people were having fun and you would watch them and and uh, you know it's like I remember seeing uh, the Passenger. I don't know if you ever saw that. Yeah, film. sure, yeah. absolutely. And, uh, Nicholson uh, and uh, yeah. the, the moving. The shot where the, the end shot where the, the yeah. where he's lying dead in the bed and the, yeah. the camera goes to the 
in the mm-hmm. comes out and goes. It's like never forget that. Show. Yeah, no, how could you? <laughs> <laughs> One of the great shots of all time. Yeah, <laughs> you know, but things like that. You know, the, the, it, it, there's no it, there's no satisfying ending there. It's it's um, you know it's um, uh, at least not satisfying in the Hollywood. It's a slice sense. of life, or um, the, the, you know, you could see that in De Sica and uh, and Rossellini too, and mm-hmm. in, in the neo realist period where you're you're not you're not getting that that satisfying ending because it doesn't satisfy you. It's like it's it's like the the lollipop. And you eat the lollipop. Great. What if the lollipop was was slowly disappearing into the into the Empyrean? And you watched it go, and you were yearning towards it. And you and the closer you got, the further away it got. Wouldn't that be a more interesting idea? The the, the eternal yearning just for a lo- lollipop, and right. whatever it was, yeah. you know. Yeah. yeah. No, you're you're right. I think it's maybe it's just that we've become too facile. And of course, now we're sitting home watching TV, and we got to have something to watch, right? Got We need a, we need a twenty-five series at a given time, and that one's going to die, and the new one comes up, and pretty soon it's just it's you know the homogenization of it all, and and that's why I only you know I, I realized that I would never do well d- down there doing that kind of stuff because it would never be mine. It would be the the accumulated wisdom of the. Of the the mercantile class of that's that and so so you pay the you pay a price on because of that because you don't have those connections and and distribution becomes a a, a tougher a tougher row as I'm as I'm seeing increasingly but but so what the joy is in the work right and if the work get gets doesn't get to anybody else that 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 you would like to have to have appreciated it then you, you stay with your own evaluation i think i think one of the other things though and i don't know if if you feel this way about it but you've built a community around your activities you know there's a community of of artists and people dip in and out and do different things and actors and shooters and and Mm -hmm. editors and visual effects and all those kinds of things, people that you've worked with over the years. And uh, does that give you satisfaction? Is there something around that? Oh, yeah. It also makes me feel guilty. (laughs) (laughs) Because I want them to, everyone who has worked for so little for so long, I say, well, it's about time to go to the banquet. You know, we need to go to the banquet. We need to eat. We need to get a little more, uh, a little, you know, just, I'd like there to be more of that, but but what it comes down to, perhaps more than anything else, is that, that if they want to show it to their grandchildren, they should be able to. They should just have to push a button, and there it is. Or to a girlfriend, or to to anyone, it should be there, and it should be available, and it shouldn't be buried in the in a system where, well, if if you're not famous already, then um, uh, we'll, we'll just kind of we'll stockpile you. No, I mean let's let's get it out there. I'm 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 ready for all of the people that we work together, all of us to be able to see. Yeah, there's there it is now. That that's the whole fifty, and uh, we can see it any day. And we're we probably are sick of it by now. But 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 others get the chance. So I'd like to see more of that. Thank you for joining me today on the Never Too Old podcast. 
You can find out more about Rob on his site, robnilsson.net, where you can watch trailers, buy films, check out his poetry and art, or contact him. Please join me for the next episode of the podcast where I talk with author Suzanne Finnamore about her deeply moving new book, My Disappearing Mother, a memoir of magic and loss in the country of dementia. My mother was showing me how to do the hardest thing of all, which is to, to be sick and die. She was showing me how to do it with a certain amount of grace and humor, even in the state that she was in. 